So, Randy, I just want to pray over you here before you get started, and I just want to say um, thank you for being willing to be the vessel that the Lord has appointed for this Sunday to pour out his word to us. And, Lord, I thank you that you have blessed Randy. You've been downloading all week to him, Father. You've given him and shown him um, things as he's waited on you that you have for us. So, Father, we receive that. We're looking forward to receiving what you have. So I just pray a blessing of please peace, pardon me, and ease of speaking, and I declare, Father, that our ears and our hearts and our minds, that we are ready and willing and able to receive what it is that you have for us today through this, your servant, in Jesus' mighty name. Bless you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, I'm really excited today, because God's been just downloading all week and last actually months, even before I knew I was going to do this, and uh, preparing me and uh, just getting me ready for his wow and his revelation. You know, it's so cool how uh, God does that. And uh, so I'm going to start with a poll here. Everybody get ready. In your school days, how many of you loved math? Hey, there's a few of us. Excellent, excellent. How many of you loved language arts? Oh, you know, I could never understand language arts. I got like 50% in English 10. And I said to my teacher, am I going to pass English 20? She goes, I believe in you. I said, okay. So I took English 20. And I got 55%. Whoa! Oh, I just made it again. And I said, do you think I can make English 30? She goes, oh, sure you can. Sure you can. And I got 60% in English 30. Woo! And I was pretty excited about that, you know. But I'm a math guy. So I love math. And in fact, when I found out from my counselor, I could take advanced calculus in grade 11 and get an extra five credits, what did I say? Woohoo! Count me in, you know. So I took math 10, math 20, math 30, math 31, I think, was advanced calculus. Does anybody remember what advanced calculus is? Come on. What is it? Yeah, A squared equals B squared plus C squared. Pythagoras? Well, there you go. I can't remember names. It's a name. It's a word. I don't remember it. But isn't that look exciting? Doesn't that just make your, 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 your blood work, you know? You just go, no, but, no, that makes sense, you know? That just makes sense. So, you know, I, I have a, um, what's called a, a low tolerance for ambiguity. That's what my language teacher kept telling me in Malaysia. I said, but this word doesn't make sense. It says, means this one time, that one time, that, something else, another time. Well, that's just the way it is. Well, that doesn't help me. Give me a clear definition that I can understand. Because it, it just kind of drove me nuts. So anyway, this is non-ambiguous. It's straightforward. We can prove it. We can turn it upside down. You know, just like um, when I went through electronics in school, you know, e equals mc squared. Oh, wow. Then you could turn it around. And it goes volt, uh, power equals voltage times current. Well, what is current equals? Current equals resistance upside down squared. Oh, that's cool. I can make a whole new equation. And, you know, that makes sense. But, you know, there's a lot of things in life that just don't make sense. And um, 
one of the things to me has been the definition for faith. And um, so we're going to write it up here. Excuse my uh, poor writing skills. You know, I'm bad in English, right? So um, Colin asked me to speak on my journey into faith or my journey of faith. And so, you know, what was interesting was uh, as soon as he did that, the enemy started attacking. He pushed on me discouragement, hopelessness, despair, um, just kept telling me how weak I am. Not necessarily about speaking to all of you, but different areas in my life. And it just, you know, I got discouraged. And, um, but you know what? God, he encourages us. His word encourages us. And I want to, before I start, tell you, you know what? If you're not journaling, start journaling. Because I can tell you that on May 16th, the day before Colin asked me to preach, God had given you a word. A word of encouragement. A word that said, don't worry, I've got it under control. I want you to rest. And I thought it was, I just had to chuckle. You know, the Lord's got a real sense of humor. When I walked in, the first thing I saw was a bulletin. Does everybody have a bulletin? What does it say on the front of the bulletin? All things work together for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I think it's a little short. But that's the first verse I'm going to read. Now, God has a sense of humor. So what I'm going to do, I want to just share just a, a little a freebie. We used to have a pastor. He'd preach for 15 minutes, and he goes, oh, that was the freebie. Now I'll get into the sermon. So uh, Colin, he just does it in the middle of everything, all these little freebies. So, but uh, I love it. So Romans 8, 26 to 28. And I'm going to read it in the Amplified Version because it really spoke to what God was doing in me. So too, the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and he bears us up in our weakness. I felt weak. For we do not know what to pray or how to offer or how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Holy Spirit himself gives, uh, goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. He who searches the hearts of men knows what is in the mind of the Holy Spirit, what is his intent, his intent is, besides the Spirit, intercedes and pleads before God in behalf of the saints, according to and in harmony with God's will. We are assured and know that God being partner, a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitted into a plan for good to and for those who love God and are called according to his design and purposes. God has a design for each one of us. He has a purpose for each one of us. And <clears throat> it was great. Because of that attack, the Lord gave me that verse and he gave me one other one, too, that I want to share that got me through the two weeks prior to now to the point of yesterday and this morning, and I think several days I had before that, of 
just this anticipation and excitement to share. And seeing God bring revelation in my life that actually transforms the way I see the word of God. It doesn't happen that often where you get such a revelation that, you know what, you go, this is going to change my life. And even this morning when I sat down, I went through my devotions, the Holy Spirit, as Colin puts it, was dumping. He was just dumping on me. And so I had to redo a bunch of stuff. But he brought revelation that came like, wow, he just, you know, tying it together. Um, Psalm 112, 7 and 8, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. The NLT says, they do not fear bad news. And you know, during this time, most of you remember that I've been, we've been trying to move to Camrose, trying to get a job in Camrose, and even the struggles I'd had my last job, the boss was a really hard guy to work for, and God kept saying to me, don't fear bad news. But it was like, it was kind of like this phrase, be strong and courageous. Don't be anxious about anything. Um, uh, don't fear anything. It, it kind of leaves you hanging. Because you go, well, how? How do I not do those things that come so naturally? <clears throat> well, he says in 7 and 8, um, do not fear the bad news. And he says, his heart is firmly fixed, trusting, leaning on, and being confident in the Lord. Oh, there's a hint. His heart is established and steady. He will not be afraid while he waits and get this, to see his desire established upon his adversaries. A heart that is steady, not afraid, and you're not afraid of what will come because Romans 8.28, we just talked about that, because he is in control. He will take that which the enemy means for bad, that which mean other people mean for bad, that's what, you know, the evil around us, and he can use it to um, bring us into his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So that's my freebie, and um, go to the scripture. I, I, you know, th this verse is coming later, but I can't hold it back, so I have to say this. Because of what he's done just in this last two weeks, how I delight in your commands, how I love them. I honor and love your commands. I meditate on your principles. If it wasn't for the, wor the Lord's word, I, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be alive. I would, you know, I dare many of us would be. So, look to his word. Okay, let's, let's get on to the sermon. Okay. <laughs> so, journey into faith. Our journey of faith. You know, we all, um, when we say the word faith, where does your verse, which verse do you go to? Immediately. What are you thinking? Hebrews 11? Did you say? Hebrews 11 and 12. Hebrews 11 is the definition, and it's got who? It's got the champions of faith listed there. But God said, no, I don't want you to go there first. I want you to go to Hebrews 12. So, okay, I'm going to Hebrews 12. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, I thought, oh, that, that caught me there. 
They're witnesses to the life of faith. That's what we're talking about. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and is now seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. My first thought was, what is the therefore, therefore? Therefore, therefore, uh, okay, why is it there? My second thought was, here I am speaking of journey into faith, and, or the life of faith, and God says I'm surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to that very life. So they are watching us as we walk through our journeys of faith. The third thing I thought of was, well, we are to run with endurance the race that, he's, that he has set before us. He's pretty clear about that, that in this life of faith, it is a life of endurance. But that he himself is setting it before us. It's not just willy-nilly. You know, who watches uh, Corner Gas? Anybody watch that Corner Gas? My wife and I, we love the, the part where... Um, I can't remember her name. She's a police officer. And one day she's decided to go out and shoot cans. I think she was just shooting cans. Well, word got around town that she was out shooting cans. And, and you know her, her boss, the other RCMP, he says to her, he says, you can't just go shooting off your gun, oh, willy-nilly. And, uh, you know, we've laughed at that forever. But <laughs> so I always think of that when uh, the word comes up. Fourthly, we run the race of keeping our eyes on Jesus. That's how we run the race. And fifthly, uh, uh, Jesus both initiates and perfects our faith. He's the one that calls us into the faith, the life of faith. So, okay, so why is the therefore therefore? What is it therefore? Okay, go back to chapter 11. We all know chapter 11, verse 1. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Okay, that's clear as English mud. Okay, let's try another verse, another, another version. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Whenever I read that, I have to just stop. And I kind of, it's like playing these um, gymnastics in your mind, okay? What does that really mean? Because it, it, it's kind of like ambiguous, you know? And I don't like ambiguous. It's not clear. So, um, the Holy Spirit said to me, he says, uh, don't stop there. Don't stop there. Keep reading. <clears throat> okay, I kept reading. And I want to share with you the things that I pulled out, the things that he pulled out for me. By faith, we understand. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed and went. By faith, Sarah, even though she was past childbearing age, gave birth to a son. By faith, Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice. By faith, Moses' parents hid him. By faith, Moses, when he was growing up, refused to be known as Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, Moses left Egypt. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land. By faith, Gideon, Barak, Samson, 
Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith, again, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, shut the mouths of lions, uh, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, uh, whose weakness was turned to strength, and became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Okay, show of hands, how many people have done that? <laughs> yeah, I'm there with you. So the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit says to me, do you get it? Do you see it? Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Okay, so I start processing. I got reading over and over and over. I'm thinking, okay, ah, I think I got it. But it can't be that simple, Holy Spirit. It can't be that simple. I said, Lord, is it hearing your voice and obeying? It can't be that simple because faith is supposed to be ethereal and un, not, un, un, can't understand it and something out there for the great people. And, and so he replies to me gently, as the Holy Spirit does. He's so patient, you know. I'm going, I don't understand, you know. I'm just, I'm, I'm a child. I'm, I don't know anything. He says to me, I asked my friend Colin to ask you to speak on the subject because I want to teach you something. And encourage you. Because it is only when you receive courage from me that you can walk in faith and encourage others to do the same. So, we have our first formula. Okay? Are you ready? Here it is. Here it is. Faith equals hearing plus obeying. That I can understand. That, that makes sense. Okay, so let's just keep going here. So after he explained that, I go, oh, I, I've done that before. I've done that before. I can, I, can, I can think of things. Okay, so Holy Spirit, tell me. What do you want me to share? First one is the first time I truly, honestly remember hearing his voice other than his call to salvation. It was in 1979, I was 17 years old, and uh, living in Calgary, going to Satan. And uh, the Lord, uh, we had this uh, Christmas box with our family, cousins and stuff. And so I got my cousin's name, Mike. Well, Mike's not a believer. And um, right away, instantly, I just, it, it was weird because, again, I grew up in a Mennonite church. Who here has grown up in a Mennonite church? Can you count on more than on one finger how many times you heard the name Holy Spirit other than a derogatory term? I don't remember one sermon ever or one person ever telling me, listen to the Holy Spirit. Even though what's, what's amazing is years later, when we were in the vineyard, we were attending the vineyard, and my mom, she says, I don't want to believe you're going to a cult. So, so I said, well, you know what, Mom? It's not a cult, and we don't believe anything different than you. And I pulled out the Tofield Mennonite Church, and this is a general conference, okay? This is as conservative as they get, other than Berkshire, right? But I opened up, and I went through their constitution. I said, Mom, here it is, right here. Black and white. The Holy Spirit is given for the empowering of believers to uh, do what God has called them to do. Simple, huh? Not, not threatening, not scary. But you know what? We actually, we actually follow that. 
we actually listen to the Holy Spirit, and he speaks. Oh, but isn't that a cult? No, the Holy Spirit speaks. So, so anyway, first thing he said, uh, the Lord told me, he says, I want you to give him a Bible. I said, well, but Lord, he's not a believer. I want you to give him a Bible and write, write him a letter. And the Lord just gave me the words, and I wrote the letter out. I, you know, first time i ever done anything like that. Closed it up, put it in the Bible, wrapped it up, went to Saskatoon for Christmas, and I gave it to him. And uh, he opened it, and it just hit him. The letter hit him. He said, those words were exactly what I needed to hear. My life is a mess. I don't know what to do. And so I said, come live with us. So he came to Calgary. Long story short, um, it didn't go quite as well as I hoped. <laughs> and uh, he left, and he got further away from the Lord. But you know what? 11 years later, he calls me up. And he said, he found me. I found him. We're one. I have hope. I have purpose. I'm a new man. Amen. Give him the Lord. So, I hear, and I obeyed. The next thing that uh, the Lord brought up was 1986. We were going to Mennon Church. We were married. We had two children. And, uh, you know, when you're in a church that you don't learn from, you don't learn in, you don't grow in, it's really not a nice place to be. It just becomes religion. And it was to the point, I was working at CBC Television at the time, and uh, we just didn't even want to go to church anymore. It was just all about social justice. And this was back 1984. This was back before the social justice warriors came to life. And uh, so we, we didn't want to go to church anymore. And we said, this is wrong. This is wrong. We've got to find another church. So we went to, we started going to Lions Church. And you know what? For the first time, we actually heard someone say, we need the Holy Spirit. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit. And we need, we, ha- we actually heard someone share how they were driving along downtown Edmonton and God told them to stop. She got out and she witnessed to a street person. And we're just like, wow, wow. So all of a sudden, I didn't want to miss church. Isn't that, isn't that amazing when, when, when you're going to a church that you don't want to miss church? It's just, we, when we were in Fort McMurray and Revival came there, every summer, and those of you who have been in Fort McMurray, summertime, it just clears out. There's just like 10 people left out of 250. Just 10. That's it. And, and when Revival hit there, there were 240 because people literally said, I don't want to leave and miss something. And you know, I feel that way here, too. I don't want to miss church, because I don't want to miss something. I, I don't want to miss the blessing. I don't want to miss what God's got for me. So anyway, uh, we started going to Lions Church, and, um, but I, I was working at CBC, and I was working through weekends, and I said, Lord, I don't want to miss church. So what are we going to do about this? And he said, I'll give you a job. Okay, great. Two weeks later, I had a job offer in a totally different field. And the guy says, you know, but 
I really hate to say this, but I can't pay you what they're paying you. Now, remember, this was 1984, 85. We had a 14% interest on our mortgage. Do you know how big that is? Huge, crazy. So I'm going, Lord, we can't hardly pay our bills now. And the guy's going to say, saying, you know, sorry, I, your salary's 28 now. I can only give you 24. But I'm thinking, how, how, you know, I heard. I've given you a job. Do you take it? We prayed. I said, yes, we have to. We asked. He answered. He delivered. So we stepped in faith. We heard. So we obeyed. What's amazing is, by the end of the month, when I was on my new job, we were bringing home more money. It's like, how, God? How did you do that miracle? But he did. And he continued to do miracles like that through our life. And um, uh, there's one time when we, when we, we were going to, God said, I want you to go somewhere, and I didn't want to go. He called us. He, the, the idea of, uh, I was at work, my new job, two years later, and uh, uh, the boss said, hey, there's two opportunities I got, Cold Lake or Fort McMurray. Who wants it? Who wants it? Do you think anybody was jumping? No way. Nobody was jumping. And I said, I said maybe Cold Lake. Never Fort McMurray. Then I heard. The Lord said, never, huh? <laughs> never, huh? What if I want you to go there? Well, well, I don't want to go to Fort McMurray. But what if I want you to go to Fort McMurray? <sighs> yeah, I had a bit of struggle, you know. And said, okay, okay, I'll consider it. Didn't say I'm going, but I'll consider it. Okay, that's good enough. I can work with that. So I go to my boss, and this was a, uh, a Wednesday. And I said, boss, um, I might be willing to go to Fort McMurray. Oh, he gets all excited. Okay, get on a plane, uh, book your flights, take your wife, your kids, get up there, uh, take Friday off, go up, fly up there, all expense paid, book a nice hotel, go to the water slide, whatever they got up there. Just go up there, enjoy yourself, cruise around and see if you like it. So, told Paul, I guess where we're going. So we took the kids and we flew up there. Wouldn't you know it? We were just blown away. We loved it. We just absolutely loved it. And so, a month later, guess where we were living? Fort McMurray. So, you know, um, I want you to think about times when you've heard and when you've obeyed. Because I know we've all done it, right? So, but what happens, you know, looking at the list of the, of the, the champions of faith, <clears throat> it wasn't as simple as just, do you want to go to Fort McMurray? They had some other challenges, you know, like we, none of us put our hands up for what they've been through. Um, so I said, well, what about, what about, you know, what about that? That's not just simple hearing and obeying. It's, it's, it's got a little more complex. And uh, 
a song came to mind. <clears throat> Has anybody heard the song, Joseph's Trouble is a Troubling Thing? Very good song, very disturbing, you know, uh, but uh, great acoustic on it. And, but Joseph's trouble is a troubling thing. Look at David. His trouble's a troubling thing, you know. Um, David is a perfect example of running with endurance. You know, I find David's call and anointing kind of disturbing. I don't know if anybody else feels that way, but maybe it's because I'm not very patient. And, and I, I, you know, those of you that know me, I, I like to, I respond quickly. Let's put it that way. And um, so when I hear something, and when Colin's up here preaching or I'm listening to someone preach and I go, yeah, oh, yeah, that's, that, that confirms in my spirit. I want to do it right now. Why are we waiting? But, you know, some people like to think about it and, you know, and over an hour or a day or a week or a month and, you know, kind of just process it. I'm not one of those kind of people. So my wife and I, we're kind of on the opposite end of the scale on that one. So, uh, yeah. I say, so, are we moving? Are we moving today? <laughs> She's going, I don't even know what you're talking about. I haven't processed that far. So, here I am, looking at David's life, thinking about it, and, and uh, this is what I would get. Okay, so, Saul sinned against God, right? That's pretty, everybody knows that. 1 Samuel fifteen twenty six. But Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. That sounds pretty solid, doesn't it? Like that, that that's a pretty strong statement. In the very next chapter, 1 Samuel 16, 13, he anoints David as king. Well, there you go. Guess who's out of there? Um, verse 14, the same chapter. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. So Samuel took back the anointing. God took back his spirit from Saul, um, and uh, he anointed David as king. Well, don't you think the flip should happen right then and there? That makes sense, you know. He heard. Samuel obeyed. The, the judgment was passed. So, you know, what are we waiting for? Well, Saul continued to be king for 15 more years. And what was his goal in that lifetime, during that 15 years? How do I kill David? <laughs> like, God, this doesn't make sense. You anointed David as king. You took your spirit away from Saul. Why haven't you taken him out? But no, no. Um, and, you know, it wasn't any flippant anointing either. This was, this was Samuel. This was Samuel anointing uh, David. This was Samuel saying, God has departed from you. God no longer sees you as king. Well, why does it take 15 years? I still don't know. <clears throat> but it terrifies me. And at the same time, I'm kind of in awe. And uh, if you think about it, God told Noah he was going to destroy the earth, right? I'm going to destroy it with a flood. How many years did it take? Over 100 years, 120 years, they kind of guess. Can you imagine getting a promise from God? I'm going to do something. And he waits 120 years. Like, hello. And meanwhile, what's Noah got to do? 
He's got to build the ark. Not just a small ark, a big monster boat. And people are sitting there, you know what? It's never rained. Nobody's ever seen rain. The water comes from the, from the ground. What are you doing? I'm building a boat. What's a boat? <laughs> Why are you building it? God promised Abraham a son. He was 75 years old. It took another 25 years. 25 years. God showed Joseph the vision of his brothers and his father bowing to him. He had to wait 15 years. Oh, and by the way, he got taken away as a slave, and he got put in jail, and he got attacked, and, and, and accused of rape, and oh, on and on and on and on. 15 years. Actually, and then it was more. It was probably another two years after that, because before the, the famine hit. Moses, God sent him into the desert for 40 years. How'd you like to go to the desert for 40 years? Okay, I, Moses, I'm calling you, you know, set my people free. But, oh, by the way, go to the desert first. Okay, God, I'm going to the desert. Here I go. Uh, when do I get to go back? It's kind of dry here. kind of hot here. Just wait. Just wait. Just wait. I'm not at time. Not yet time. Forty years go by. Okay, got that. So, yeah, you get the point. Sometimes faith takes enormous patience. The time between hearing God's voice, receiving his call or even his anointing, and the manifestation of it come to fruition. These people had to not only hear, but they had to hear, believe, and then obey. It was just a matter of hearing and doing. No, they had to wait for 120 years, or 40 years, or 15 years, or, in my case, 11 years. And I'm glad, you know, that God doesn't always make things dependent on us. I, I heard and obeyed, but you know what? Two months after I gave that Bible to Mike, I lost faith. I didn't think it was going to happen. Yeah, I would pray for him once in a while, and I would say, you know, Lord, you know. But I didn't have faith. I, I didn't really believe. I didn't have 100% confidence. But you know what? He's good. God is good. And uh, he kind of works around that sometimes. So um, we've been, um, I, I received a dream 11 years ago. The only dream that has been so clear in my life, I knew it was God, and I knew exactly what he said. And I remember it to this day. And he asked me a question. Do you want to do this? And I said, you bet, Lord, I'd love to do that. Great. Haven't heard another word about the subject in 11 years. Uh, I'm waiting here, God. But the question is, do I believe? And he's even speaking to me that right now. Am I believing that he can do it? I have absolutely no idea how, but do I believe that he can? Do I believe his word? Do I believe his promise to me? This is from my journal in uh, July 27th. I tell you, journaling is great. I always thought it was for girls. That's called a diary, okay, guys? So girls, if girls are doing it, it's a diary. Guys, we're doing it, it's a, it's a journal. It's okay, it's okay. <laughs> so... So this is what I wrote. Um, 
July 27th. And you know, you all know, we've been waiting forever to move to Camrose. He says, while I was riding this morning, I asked God on my way to work, our move and everything, why was it moving so slowly as compared to what he's done in the past? And this is what he said. It's because you've changed. You're not the same. I want to teach you new things. Me, being a math person, I said, I didn't ask why. I just said, what? What? What do you want to teach me? Let's get this done, right? Move it on. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> so, faith. He said, faith. I want you to grow in faith. Faith requires patience. Deep faith requires deep patience. Ooh, I, love, I don't like that. That hurt. That one hurt. I didn't want to write that one down. No. When I asked him why, okay, now I'm asking why. <laughs> why are you going to make me wait? You know? He says, uh, you'll need to know how to walk in faith. And I said, is, is this because the end is coming? And he goes, yes. Is the delay along the line of community living that you put on my heart? And he goes, yes. Um, so will we be living in community when, when the house sells? He goes, wait, not yet. So, said, Lord, I'm willing to wait, but we need your intervention to pay bills. What do you think he said? Trust me. Trust me. Oh, that's hard. Later on the way home from work, I asked the Lord for some more explanation. Give me some more, Lord. I need a little more than just wait. So he says, I said, before it was so fast. You'd tell us, and then we would move. You'd tell us, and we'd change church. You'd tell me, and i quit my job. You'd tell me. You know, it was, it was hear and obey. But now you're asking me to believe. Before I was teaching you obedience, and that you could trust me. You obey, and I will bless you. I moved quickly because you were just learning faith and trust, and so you needed more immediate and tactile evidence of my ability and trustworthiness. Can anybody relate to that? Yeah. Um, Now I'm calling you to a deeper faith, one that has a deeper level of trust and patience. You will need that for what is to come. A shallow faith won't cut it. Now I ask you, is that good news or is it bad news? (laughs) If we need deeper faith, it's both. Bad news, but good news. Because, you know what? We won't be able to do it. And only he'll be able to do it. So, I, uh, he gave me this promise, and, and you know what? It's, it's been, I tell you again, write it down. You can go back to the promise of God. You can go back to the words of God. I can't tell you how many times I had to go back to this. And say, Lord, it's hard. I don't like waiting. He says, I want you to believe. I want you to trust. Okay, I'm believing, I'm trusting, I'm, I'm working. I'm working at it, Lord. You know, 
I love what Colin says. Don't forget in the darkness what God has told you in the light. If you don't write it down, it's so easy to forget. And for all of my life, except for the last two years, I haven't written it down. So, here you go. On March 9th, Holy Spirit told me to call his holy angels to bring down the blessings of heaven and to go get a buyer for our house. March 9th. I'd never done that before. Um, and don't you just love it when the Holy Spirit tells you to do something you've never done before? I think we have a lot of that to look forward to. <laughs> so um, that evening, that very evening, I got a phone call. We'd like to come see your house. Again, it's not on a realtor. It's not in an MLS. This is private in Kijiji. A family of a husband, wife, three boys come in a couple days later and Kids run around, and they just love it. And um, they just came last week again, and this time she brought her father. Uh, that's good. That's good. Um, and I didn't have to do anything. I just sat down, and I hung out with the boys and played a little bit and played with the dog, and she was showing her dad everywhere. Look at this, Dad. Look at this. Look at this. And um, so I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. You know, I'm going, okay, it's coming. They're going to make an offer. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. You know, I, okay, Lord, I want to just declare this done. Um, and I, I'm believing, I'm believing, you know. Um, and then he says, you know what, we, we have to wait another month. I want to make sure that the bank doesn't say no or wait because we just changed our jobs. So we're going to wait another month. Wait another month. Okay, 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 okay. And what does the enemy want to do? Oh, the enemy wants to steal it, right? He wants to say, they're not going to buy it. Why do you think that? You know, God doesn't keep his word. You know, you can't believe that. Get out of here, devil. Get out. Lord spoke. It's right here, black and white. He told me. I've never done it before. He told me to tell the angels, go get them. Go get them and bring them here. He did. How can I not believe how can I give up that word? I can't. I can't. So, that's where the endurance comes in. We run the race with endurance. How do we run the race with endurance? By keeping our eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. This last Thursday, the Lord gave me something else. He said, Isaiah 55, 3 and 4. And catch the irony of this. You know, here I am, um, struggling through this stuff, and, and uh, God's teaching me, and then Colin asked me to teach on living a life of faith. Listen to these words. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. I will make you an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised David. Whose advice have I been meditating on in the last week? David. The trials, the attacks, the murder attempts. 
See how I used him to display my power among the peoples. I made him a leader among the nations. Thank you, Lord, for your promise. And one thing something uh, God has told me to do in the last while is every day, I don't know if you remember at men's group, Colin said one day, he says, dig for nuggets of gold. When you open the scripture, dig for nuggets of gold. Gold is the promises of God. Dig in, find them, find them. And so God told me, and actually before he even said that, two days earlier, of course, God said, I want you to start writing down the promises. I'm going to show you promises, and I want you to write them down because you need to believe. And so the promise I wrote was, if I come to the Holy Spirit with my ears ready to hear, I will find life, an everlasting covenant, unfailing love, and witness him display his power through me. That's an awesome promise. That's an awesome promise. So the Holy Spirit saying, see how much I love you? I give you my word. My word is my promise. My word is my bond. My word is my covenant with you. I will bring it back to life. I will resurrect that which has died. I will find the perfect place for you. That's where I already told <laughs> I will find the perfect place for you. Just fix your eyes on Jesus. Find your acceptance and security in him and in my love. That's Holy Spirit speaking. That's Holy Spirit speaking. And then... This morning, you know how God likes to turn things up and down, right? He, he just likes to change things because he's God and he likes to do that. But, you know, I think he's got an ulterior motive. And uh, so this morning, what did I read? Mark four thirty-five and 39. On that same day, when evening had come, he said to them, this is Jesus speaking to the disciples, let us go to the other side. Let's get us, let us go over to the other side of the lake. You remember what happened? They get out on the lake. Jesus finds a nice comfy spot in the stern, you know, the bow goes up and down, and he's sitting in the back, relaxing and sleeping. He's at perfect peace, doesn't he? Meanwhile, everybody's panicking, freaking out, going wild, and, and uh, they wake Jesus up. So what does Jesus do? He gets up, and he arose, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush now. Be still. He didn't just say, um, okay, can you please calm down, wind? Can you please calm down, see? No. He said, stop. Be still. Actually, also translated and muzzled. He shut the mouth. And the wind ceased, sank to rest as if exhausted by its beating. And there was immediately... A great calm, a perfect peacefulness. Jesus has authority. 
His word has authority. His word has power. And he said to me, or he said to them, why are you so timid and fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Firmly relying trust. So I want to put another definition of this um, believe. So believe, firmly trusting. Firmly relying trust. A trust that is firm, a trust that is solid. And uh, so then he brought me John 16, 7, and a couple, some verses in, in chapter 16. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, we all know who the advocate is, right? The Holy Spirit. He won't come. If I do go away, then I will send you him. Send him to you. Verse 9, the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. What is believe? Firmly relying trust. There is so much I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He, uh, he will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me, that all that he belongs is to the Father's mind. That is why I said the spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. At that time, you won't need to ask me anything. I will tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before, ask using my name. And you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. So the Holy Spirit remind me today that Jesus has spoken. He reminds us of what Jesus has spoken, he searches the heart of God. He, is, he tells us what Jesus is speaking right now and the Father. And he tells us about the future. Well, there's a good promise. Isn't that amazing? So Psalm 119, 65 and 67. You have dealt with your servant, O Lord, according to your promise. According to your promise. Teach me good judgment, wise and right discernment and knowledge, for I have believed, and here it is, trusted, relied on, and clung to your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now your word do I keep, and keep means hearing, receiving, loving, obeying. So I have another definition then. is faith equals hearing God's voice
which is receiving. So, faith is hearing God's voice, believing it, which means receiving. If, you know, if we don't receive his promise, we can't, we can't gain from it. We can't receive. We can't get it. We have to receive it. We have to trust it. We have to love his promise. David said, I love your word. Why? Because it gives him hope. Because he knows if he's got the word of God, it's a done deal. Our brother Mel, you say, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. Right? We need to get to the point that when God speaks, it's a done deal. Dana, can you come? The Lord wants us to Remember that living a life of faith is just listening to the Holy Spirit's voice and then believing. Again, receive it. Receive that word. When he speaks it, receive it to your heart. Let him put it deep in your heart. Trust that word. Keep going back to it. Write it down. Love that word. That is a promise of God to you. And then walk it out. Faith doesn't have to be some black hole or ethereal thing. And what's amazing is, as God showed this to me, and even when I went and I read that verse about, you know, Jesus calming the water, he just flipped it. He just flipped that whole passage and what Jesus was saying. And it wasn't just, have faith. Have faith. What does that mean? He said, did you not hear? I said, let us cross over to the other side. Jesus said, we're crossing over. We're not going to go halfway and drown. He didn't say that. He said, let us cross over to the other side. I think the disciples missed that. They missed that. And often we miss that. And I miss that. And to to actually hear God's voice, it's not as scary and hard, as difficult as we think. He really wants to talk to us. He really does. Hold on to his words for dear life, for that is what they are. Their dear life to us. And I can confidently say that they're dear life to me through, uh, let's say, the last 35 years, 40 years, 56 years. So I feel like the Lord, what he wants to do is um, 
give you an invitation. You may be here where you're not quite hearing yet. You may be hearing but not firmly relying in trust. You may be hearing but not receiving it. I haven't taken that. You may be receiving it but not trusting it, not writing it down, not going back to it, not loving it. Or maybe a place of struggling to obey it. Maybe he's asking you to do something. You know he's, you're hearing his voice. He's asking you to do something. You know it's not going to be easy. Or maybe he's asking you and saying, I'm calling you to this. But it's so big. It's so scary. It's so far away. It's, I have absolutely no idea. It's hard to receive. Whatever that place you're is, you're at, the Holy Spirit, he wants to do it. like the Lord is saying we need to end with a, a specific song so um, I'll let Dana start that um, during the song feel free to come forward just express it to the Lord and listen to his voice he will tell you and take it receive it believe it trust it love it and keep going back to it until you see it manifest and guess what you do when you see it manifest Tell everybody. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. You know, I'm going to be standing up. And that house is sold. The papers are signed. We're moving. Guess who's going to hear? Everybody. Because God gave me a promise. And a promise is His word. His bond. His, his, his commitment to us. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Do I promise and not act? Do I speak and not fulfill? The Lord is good. The Lord is God. So, Dana, come forward and then I'll just close at the end.